Good evening. Man, it is great to be here tonight. I'm excited to have so many teenagers in our auditorium. Right, Great Oaks? Amen? I'm going to tell you, uh, me and Graham were talking Thursday about the order for worship tonight. And we were talking about the number of songs. And I said, hey, bud, just go ahead and throw a couple extra in there. Because I know we were going to have a lot of teenagers. And I love hearing teenagers sing out. You guys sound great. And man, I'm just excited to be here and to get to fellowship and get to meet new people and our youth groups to get to be together and grow together. And we'll see if that fellowship continues during dodgeball. I'm um, excited to be here. Excited to have you guys here. And tonight, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to introduce our theme for the area-wise. Now, I'm going to be honest with you and just be completely bare. The youth ministers in the area have not done a great job of getting together and discussing the theme for the, 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 the area-wise. We've had a lot of turnover. We've got some new guys. We're glad to see the old ones leave. We've got some new guys that we're going to get to work with. Uh, no, I'm just joking. We've, we've had a lot of turnover, uh, and so we've had some new guys come on board. We had a couple guys move on, and so uh, the summers are busy, and so I just kind of took it upon myself to come up with our theme this year. And so this year our theme for Area Wives is Tell Me a Story. And we're going to be looking at the stories of Jesus, some of His parables that are found in the Bible. So I think our next Area Wide, if I'm not mistaken, that's Oliver Creek, right Seth? So if you'll continue to keep that, the parables of Jesus, that's going to be our theme. And so tonight... I was trying to think, what parable could I talk about? I mean, there's a lot of good ones, right? There's a lot of parables that pop into your mind when you start thinking about some of the great stories of Jesus Christ, right? We've got the parable of the, the Good Samaritan, the parable of the unmerciful servant that teaches us about forgiveness. We've got uh, the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. Um, and there's one more, the lost son, all three together right there. Well, tonight I chose to look at a parable that maybe we don't talk about a lot. And I want us to look at it and discuss it tonight and learn from it. And it comes from Matthew chapter 21. So if you didn't turn your Bibles with Ian, turn to them now. Ian did such a great job of reading our main text tonight. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32. And yes, somebody said, man, you've got a lot of blanks on that outline. For those of you who don't know, we do an outline for worship every night. And so we're going to have a lot of blanks to fill in. I'm competing with Tim, and right now I'm winning the competition. So if you've got an outline, flip it over, and we're going to learn some good stuff and fill those in. But tonight we're going to talk about real obedience. And in Matthew chapter 21, verses 28 through 32, we see this parable about two sons. Now, what I want you to notice right away is that the story contrasts two types of people. You see, the first person, the first son, is asked to go work in a vineyard. And at the beginning, he declines. And he says, no, I'm not going to go work. But then he changes his mind and he goes and he works in the vineyard. So you got son, num son number one who starts out kind of rocky. No, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go work in the vineyard. And he declines the invitation. But he changes his mind. He turns it around. He says, you know what? I'm going to go work, and I'm going to go work for my father. And then the third son, uh, the second son, he says, yes, I'm going to go. So as soon as the father asks him, hey, you go work, immediately he says, you got it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to go. But he never goes 
He never shows up. Now, Jesus goes on to explain this parable to us, right? You remember what happens in Matthew chapter 21. Just flip back to the beginning of the chapter. You know, this is the last week of Jesus' life. He makes that triumphal entry into uh, Jerusalem, okay? And as He makes His way, uh, He makes that triumphal entry. People are expecting this different person. But He comes in riding on the donkey and they shout, Hosanna. And the next thing you know, we see Him cleaning out the temple and pushing everybody out. And then they begin to question His authority down in verse 23. And so Jesus asks them a question. He says, I will ask you one question. If you tell me the answer, then I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. So here was Jesus' question. The baptism of John, where did it come from? Jesus knew that if they said that it came from heaven, okay, or excuse me, the Pharisees knew that if they said it came from heaven, then the people would say, well, why didn't you believe John? But if they said it came from man, then the people would be mad at him because they thought him to be a prophet. And so they took the easy way out. We don't know. And so that's the setting where Jesus tells this parable and he's trying to get them to see, okay, these leaders... You are like the son in this passage. The one that says the right thing. It's lip service. Yes, I will go. Yes, I will work. But when it comes down to following through, you don't do it. You don't follow through. But yet, the prostitutes, the tax collectors... They may have rejected the message at first, but now they believe John and they accepted it. And he says here at the end, look with me. Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Now imagine what Jesus just said to them. The people at the bottom of the social ladder, okay, the ladies who earned a living doing what they did, the tax collectors who were hated by everybody because they were known for stealing and taking and hurting their very own people. The people at the bottom, they were getting into the kingdom first. Why? Because they wouldn't obey. They wouldn't believe. He says here, For John came to you in the way of righteousness. You did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe in him. So he's trying to get them to see. He's trying to teach them something here. Open your eyes. Okay? Yes, you may say the right things, but you're not obedient. But look at these people. At first, they may have not have been open to it. At first, they may have closed the door, but now when they've heard, they believe and they're changing. This parable really got me thinking about the idea of, of obedience. And you know, Jesus intended for these parables to be chewed on. You guys ever heard that expression, teenagers? You chew on something for a while, it means you think about it. Now, when we think about real obedience, okay, 
It involves trusting. Real obedience involves in pay, uh, paying attention to someone. Real obedience involves serving someone, being subject to someone, being subject to their authority. And so Jesus intended for His hearers to stop and to think about what was being said. He intended His hearers to think about this over and over again, these parables and these stories. And there's one thing that always kept standing out in my mind. Why didn't the second son go? Now Jesus, as we know, is trying to get the religious leaders, the Pharisees to see they're the second son, but he never really goes into detail why the second son doesn't really obey. And so what I want us to do is stop and to think about the second son. Why did he not follow through? Maybe the same reasons we today aren't obedient and don't follow through. So just follow with me here. We're going to kind of go into this idea of what obedience is all about. So maybe the son said yes. Maybe the reason he said yes, but he fully knew that he had no intentions of obeying. So he said yes, but he knew deep down in his heart that there was no way that he was going to follow through. So he deliberately was trying to deceive his father, wasn't he? He was deliberately trying to be an actor. And at the beginning, make him think, yeah, it's going to happen, but he knew deep down it wasn't going to. Guess what we call that type of a person? We call that person a hypocrite. We call that person somebody who plays a part. And so maybe he wanted to avoid the consequences. Maybe he wanted to avoid the conflict that he would have with his father. But that could have been a reason... He just wanted to act and just be a hypocrite because he knew deep down that he would never follow through with what his father would asked. He was pretending to be a loyal son. He was pretending to be obedient. Maybe the other idea is that maybe the son said yes, but he didn't know that he would choose to obey. Maybe he didn't realize that he was dealing with something. Maybe he didn't realize that he was dealing with a, an issue of selfishness or laziness. And maybe he thought, hey, I'm really going to do this. But he didn't realize that his level of trust and love for his father wasn't stronger than his own pride, his own selfishness, and his own laziness. And when it was put to the test, he realized that those things were greater. Or... Let's think about it like this. Maybe he fully intended to obey, but something got in the way. You know, that can happen to us, right? If you stop and think about it, have we ever been wanting to do something for God and then something gets in the way and we say, maybe another time. Oh, I got caught up doing this and I didn't make it to that. Maybe he just got too busy with life. Maybe that morning when he got up, he said, yeah, I'm going to go work in the vineyard and I'm going to go serve. And then something popped up and happened or something weird happened in his life and he got busy. Maybe his priorities got out of whack that day. And something else took its place. And again, if we're not careful, we can say yes to everything. And if we say yes to everything, something's going to get pushed out sooner or later. 
And so for this guy, maybe he just said yes to too many things and maybe he was too busy. And the next thing you know, he had to push something out and he chose not to go help his father. Or did he say yes just because he wanted to be a people pleaser? Do we know people who say yes just to please somebody? He never wanted to be there. He never wanted to make his father happy. But remember, he wanted to tell his father what his father wanted to hear. So he would rather not see his father's disappointment face to face. And so he said, hey, yeah, I'll be there just to please his father so that later on when he didn't show up, he wouldn't have to look his father in the eye. But as long as he pleased his father at that moment, that's all he needed to do. Or maybe he said yes and something came along and tempted him and pulled him away. You know, James chapter 1 verses 14 through 15 is a great verse that talks about temptation. And temptation, it says there, we're tempted and we're led and enticed by our own desires. And when we give in to those, um, those desires, it brings forth sin. James 1 verses 14 through 15. James says this is what temptation is. This is where sin comes from. When you give in, you're lured away, you give in and it brings forth sin. So maybe this guy, man, maybe he was going and then something came up and he was tempted and he... He didn't have control over his desires. He lacked that self-control that he needed to pull through and accomplish and obey his father. What about us? Have we ever been in a situation where we're like, I'm going to obey, I'm going to live this way, I'm going to do it. I promise. And then something pulls us away. And we realize, man, I didn't have that self-control like I should have. And we don't obey. Maybe... He did say yes without counting the cost. And when the cost confronted him, he realized his loyalty to the Father proved shallow. You know, Jesus had a couple of other parables about counting the cost. They were in my final few that I thought about preaching on tonight because I love those two parables. And that's a very good lesson for us to think about. Are we counting the cost and do we realize that being a Christian is not cupcakes and cookies. It's hard. It's a trek. It's a journey. And so Jesus in Luke chapter 14, verses 28 through 30, talks about building a tower. And He says to His followers, Hey, look, you better count the cost. Think of it like this. There's the guy who builds a tower. And before he lays the foundation, does he not think about it and calculate it? Lest he lay the foundation and he start building it up and then he runs out of money. And then what does everybody do? Look at that idiot who built the half of a tower. Right? They would mock him and they would make fun of him, right? And so he's saying, hey, don't jump into this without first counting the cost and realizing that you need to think about your decision that you're going to make when it comes to following after me. And then right after that, he continues this idea of counting the cost. And he says, think about a king. That king's upset with another king. And so they decide to go into battle. Does he not have a plan? Does he not stop and think about it and try to figure out who he's going to go face? And when he has 10,000 men and homeboy on the other side has 20,000 men, does he not go, hey, treaty, he's outnumbered, right? Does he not say, wait a minute, he's got 20,000, I've only got 10. Let's meet in the middle and talk this out. 
lest he be defeated. And then he goes on and says, better be ready to forsake everything to follow after me. So maybe this person, man, he thought he was going to do it, but he didn't really think that it was going to be that much work and he was going to go and then he started realizing, hey, I didn't count the cost on this. I know I committed, but I'm going to back out. What about us? Do we know people? Or have we been in that situation where we said, yeah, I'm going to do this. And then we realize how much it costs and how much sacrifice it takes and we didn't stop and think about that and then we abandon ship because it's hard. Obedience is hard sometimes. So that's where my mind went. I started thinking about all those different things that maybe kept this guy and I wonder, what about us? Those same things that may have kept him from living a life of obedience are maybe some of the same things that keep us from living a life of obedience. And when you stop and you think about this parable tonight, there are some very important things for us to stop and remember about obedience. And I think from this parable tonight, one of the first things that we need to remember is your verbal commitment means nothing. Okay, Talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than your words. Your verbal commitment means nothing if you don't follow through. And young people, that means life, that means work, that means friendships, and it definitely means spiritually. If you don't follow through after you say something, people begin to realize what? They can't trust you and you're not a person that they can be looking for in a time of need. You, you can't, they can't count on you. What about spiritually? It's easy to say all the right things, right? It's easy to say what you know you need to say, but what about living it in our workplaces? What about living it in our schools? What about being obedient and faithful even when it's not easy? Teens, it's not easy, is it? School's hard, isn't it? I don't know what it's like to be a teenager in 2023. I don't know if I could stand up to the peer pressure that you guys face. I don't know if I could say no as many times you have to say no. I'm glad I was born earlier. Because there is so much temptation. There is so much peer pressure. And so much sin you guys have to face. I know I go to a ball game on Friday night and every other thing I hear is something my mama would slap me because I say. Some of you may feel like you're the only Christian in your class right now. Some of you may feel like there is no one standing beside you. It's hard, isn't it? But even though it's hard, we have to stand up and obey. We have to stand up for what we believe in. We can't just speak it, but we have to live it. A verse that I want you to think about is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. That famous verse, the Sermon on the Mount, where he says, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father. It's not just what you say, but it's what you do. It's more than just a verbal commitment, like this parable tells us. Who was the, the father pleased with? The one who came and worked 
not the one who said all the right things. Here's something else that I want you to think about, is that God can do great things through obedient Christians. Again, maybe we don't think about it, but if we obey, and if we're a light, and we're a faithful follower of Jesus, there are a lot of things that God can do through us. I was reminded right away of the story of Jonah. You know, at the beginning of the story, God tells him to go to Nineveh, and he doesn't want to go, so he gets on a boat and hops the opposite direction. And then the storm comes, and they throw him overboard, and God sends the whale to save him, but yet teach him an important lesson. And then when Jonah finally gets out of that whale, and he's on that dry land, and he gets to Nineveh, what happens? Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. He called out, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast. They put on sackcloth, which shows that they mourned their choices. They were uh, from the greatest and to the least of them. So Jonah went and preached and they heard. Remember, he didn't want to do it. But when he finally let God use him, when he finally was obedient, an entire city mourns and fasts for the way they've been living. Let's not stop there. You remember, the king hears about this. And remember what the king says, But let man and beast be covered in sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Even the king of Nineveh hears about this, and even the king says, Hey guys, let's change. Let's mourn. Let's petition God. And maybe He will not be angry with us. And we know just a couple of verses later, God relents and does not punish them. But look at what God can do through somebody when He finally obeys. One of the first couple of years of college, I went to a very small Bible college. Some of you may have heard of it. It's called Magnolia Bible College. Down in a little town called Kosciuszko, Mississippi. K-O-S-C-I-U-S-K-O. That's how I know how to spell Kosciuszko. Okay? Down in Kosciuszko, Mississippi, there was about 30 to 35 of us on campus. And there was one guy who showed up from Dallas, Texas. And when I tell you he stuck out like a sore thumb, I about was the only one that would get around him. He was raw. He was he was raw. Um, he was a rough around the edges type guy. And then when I sat down, I realized why. The dude had been in prison for like the last 15 years. He used to do drugs. He used to have relationships with anybody that would have him. He was a terrible human being. And somebody came and taught him the gospel in prison. And when he got out of prison, he said, God will use me. And this rough around the edges guy turned his life over to God and said, I'm going to go into prisons. I'm going to go be around the roughest people I can find. I'm going to go talk to the people that nobody else will talk to. And I'm going to preach them about Jesus. He was one of my favorite people to be around before I left Magnolia Bible College. Great guy. Name was Ben. But he said, I'm going to let God use me. Rough guy. But then he gave it all over to Jesus and changed his life and was obedient and faithful and allowed God to use him to change other people. Another thing 
we need to remember about obedience. If we don't obey, the consequences can be bad. Now let's stop and think. There's probably a lot of Bible characters that can, we can probably run through our mind. I'm going to throw at you two this morning, or this evening. First, I want us to think about King Saul. And this was one of our verses that we read. And you remember, they were supposed to destroy the king. Uh, the king. They were supposed to destroy all the livestock. But yet, they brought certain things back and brought the king back, right? And so Samuel goes and has a conversation with Saul. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. To listen than the fat of rams. See, Saul didn't listen, did he? You start seeing his relationship take a turn, and you start seeing that he quit obeying the Lord, and he quit focusing on what God wanted him to do. It says right here in the next verse, For rebellion is a sin of divination, and presumption is the iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, He has rejected you from being king. Look at the consequences for Saul. He's no longer the king. He's going to lose his kingship because he did not obey and listen. Think about Moses. I've heard Moses called the example of obedience. You know, he goes down and carries the ten plagues with him and gets the people out of Egypt. And now they're in the wilderness wandering around. And man, they're just some interesting people. Okay, And they grumble and they complain and Moses is frustrated with the people. And God has a conversation with Moses and says, Hey, go speak to the rock and it's going to flow the water. and You're going to be taken care of. The cattle are going to get to drink. Y'all are going to get to drink. So Moses comes out and, man, they're frustrated. Why did you bring us here to die? And so Moses strikes the rock out of frustration, speaks to it and strikes it. And the Lord said to Moses because of this, you did not believe in me and uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Now, did Moses get to see the promised land? He did. Did he get to go in? No. Because of the choice to be disobedient. And we need to remember, there are consequences when we don't have real obedience and we don't follow what the Lord has said. This is my last point tonight. Aiming for obedience makes life better. Just stop and think about how better our life is when we listen to the Lord and we follow after Him and don't follow after our own heart and try to do what we think is best. This verse is the one that we read tonight. John Allen read this one for us. Psalms 128. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in His ways. Some of your translations say, who walks in obedience. You shall eat the fruit of your labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. Your wife and your, and will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots. I guess that sounds good. Olive shoots. You, uh, around your table. Behold, thus... Shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord? You see that over and over again. You're going to be blessed if you obey. You're going to be blessed. Your house will be blessed. Your wife will be blessed. Your children will be blessed. You will be blessed. Just stop and think about what all God has done for us. You know, 
True Christian obedience is not about following a rule for no reason. It's about loving someone so much that you want to follow the rules and you want to obey. Do you love God that much? Stop and think about how blessed you are. Stop and think about what God has done for you and how He sent Jesus to bear your punishment. Think about the love that He has for you. Following the rules, not for any reason, but for loving God so much, we're willing to follow the rules that He has put in place, the things that He wants us to do. So I ask you tonight, this parable sparks the idea of what is real obedience. It's willing to follow, even when it's hard. It's willing to turn our lives over to God and do what He wants us to do and live the way He wants us to live. We need to remember that when we do that, we will be blessed. We don't have to face any of the consequences. And we're showing our love for God. So tonight, I just want you to think, are there some areas in your life some areas where you may be like that son who says, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to follow through and live for God. But it never happened. You knew you should have done it. You knew you said you were going to be better. You knew you were going to change. But it didn't happen. Whatever those areas are tonight... Will you give them over? Will you make the change to say, Hey, I love God. I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to be the son that turns my life over and works for Him every day. Be obedient to Him and love Him with all my heart. It's not just about lip. It's about what we do. Won't you give your areas over to Him tonight? Make that change and be an obedient child of God. If you have any need, we ask you to come as we stand and we have our invitation song.